I stay, I'm I'm up all night thinking about like, what if I ever run out of space to put my movies? Does that ever scare you? Like, I don't. It scares me constantly, <laughs> and because I've already run out of shelf oh, space have you? years wow. ago, it's uh, it's a constant concern. Do you always you just got you got stacks of movies everywhere? Uh, I I put some on my couch. I put some on some tables. Um, but it's it's a never it's an always evolving process of where to put movies, and then you gotta like come to like some conclusions. It's like. Do I really need this DVD copy of a movie I bought 20 years yeah. ago when I, you know, the Blu-ray is available? Yeah. <laughs> you know, nostalgia and I guess memorabilia has to has to be put aside. Well, I've d- in the for the sake of space. I've done the best I could do. I bought a whole new house. Uh, well, that's that's what most people need to do. Just I just bought a new house. Places. Hopefully, my wife will let me put them in every in every crevice in this place. We are back here on a new episode of Chasing Labels. Um, with your co-hosts, me, Andrew Cabral, and my friend in filmdom, Stephen Billings. I'm here. Yeah, I coined that phrase <laughs> years ago, and I'm going to still keep using it, even though it's not in any Webster's Dictionary, I don't think. But we're going to keep, we're going to use it. And in this episode, it's there's been so much happening in the last two weeks <laughs> that we we can't cover everything, but we're going to cover a lot of it. Yeah, uh, we, we, uh, we, you know... We knew that we were going to run into Criterion Indicator, probably, you know, we knew that was going to be the big ones. But for some reason, every other label decided this was the time of the month to release something. Um, it, it's it, it's a little overwhelming, but we did our best to narrow down some interesting releases out of uh, all the slates. And we're going to try to discuss as much of it as we can to see if we can excite you about some of this stuff. Um, but um, before we do that, um, how's it been going? How you been doing? It's been going well. I mean, two weeks goes by faster than you think because yeah. we record every two weeks. I'll say this. A month goes by faster than you think <laughs> because it felt like just the other day we were talking about new Criterion release announcements yeah. and new uh, indicator now, release now announcements. We're already, now we're back again. Now we're already doing it again. Um, and if, you know, before we get into any more movie talk, uh, you can find this podcast on Podbean and Apple Podcasts. Um, share it with your friends. Please comment. Please rate us. Um, we um, we're loving doing chasing labels. It's been fun so far, and uh, and uh, this is going to be a heavy lifting on this episode. Um, but we are going to get some help soon on some of our future episodes. We're actually lining up guests. If and if there's anybody out there that uh, feels like they have some stuff to say about some of these these film releases, please contact us. Maybe we can set up something. But Next next episode, I want to go ahead and uh, announce. Next episode, we have uh, Mr. Aaron West, who is a friend who um, runs the Criterion Now podcast, and he's going to be coming on to talk with us about something we don't know yet. I don't want to spoil it, but um, he will be joining us next episode. So get excited for that. Um, and yeah, anything else? Anything else before we get into this uh, mountain of a uh, movie talk? <laughs> no. No, nothing. We got to get into it because every single studio decided to announce yeah. releases this week pretty much. It is. Or it, I, not this week, but the last two weeks. And we're going to start with our old friends, <laughs> our old uh, somewhat reliable, recently uh, not so reliable friends yeah. in Warner Archive. Mm. Uh, update, if you've been following the chronicles of this uh, Chasing Label story, it's like a multi-part issue now. Finally. My Warner Archive order that I talked about back in our first episode is finally shipped to me. <laughs> uh, I got the shipping order yesterday, and I immediately 
um, message Stephen to tell him about the good news because it has taken literally a calendar month. I ordered on March 15th and it took until April 16th for them to uh, ship out my order. That's never happened before in all the times I've ordered from Warner Archive or really anyone else unless it's a pre-order. Yeah. But and, and there are still people who are waiting for that shipment order uh, email. And it's like, yeah, I we, we were talking about a little bit before the, the podcast. They must have shut down this whole operation like right at the end of that sale because it's been a bit of a mess. But the good news, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a rainbow in the future of Blu-rays coming my way. <laughs> But the buck doesn't stop there because we've got a whole slate of releases. Well, let's hope, let's hope they keep coming. I mean, uh, you know, we still don't know the future of Warner Archive, but uh, they are on Amazon now with their shop, and uh, let's hope these releases keep coming. And the first one we're going to talk about is, is just a confirmation. Um, we talked about it in our last episode uh, that the Drunken Master 2 was uh, going to come out and it was April Fool's Day. So we weren't really sure. Um, and, but now it is confirmed that uh, it's coming out. Yeah, it is confirmed and it is uh, from a 4k scan of the original camera negative. Yep. So they're going, they're going full tilt boogie with it. When it comes to other extras, they haven't announced any, if there are any, I do not know. Uh, so that's part of their, um, when is that coming out, Stephen? Uh, that comes out. It, 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 I don't think it's. June? It, it's gonna. Um, it hasn't announced a, an actual date. I, I don't think yet. Um, okay, I didn't know if this was like their June slate or anything. Uh, now I think it may be. I don't it's know. not saying anything here. It's just saying it's it's. I'm assuming it's gonna come out sometime this year. Um, but I yes. Sometimes they they announce stuff, but they don't have dates on them. They say coming soon, or they say. Uh, so that in this case, no, there's no date on it yet that I'm seeing. Um. Yes, but the next so the these are tentative to come out sometime soon. Yeah. Um. Next is a film that I've held off buying the DVD for years. And I'm glad I did, and that is the Private Lives of Elizabeth and Essex. And this is a film that I've been wanting to get because it stars uh, Betty Davis, and she's one of my all-time favorite actresses. And this is from. Let's see. This is a 1080p HD master source from a 4K scan of the original of the original Technicolor negatives, um, and that's important because those Technicolor masters from like the late 30s are kind of all lost, yeah. especially the three stripped the three strip Technicolor stuff. Um, if it's not Wizard of Oz, I guess they just didn't really keep it around <laughs> or preserve it. Well, I mean, I, I would say uh, one of the other ones is the Red Shoes. The Red Shoes looks amazing. Yes, yeah. if you if you ever if for all of you who have the Red Shoes Blu-ray, just look at that restoration thing they have on there, and it's like, yeah, this is kind of a you know a Titanic restoration yeah. that you're so glad that they undertook. Um, so with our next, well, that, one, I was going to say also with this, well, I'm right, sorry, right. with the Private Lives of Elizabeth and Essex. Uh, um, it's also directed by Michael Curtiz. That's another, oh, yeah, nice. another reason to, to to get it. You know, he's the same guy that did Casablanca. Uh, you know, Mildred Pierce. You know, he's a really great director. Um, yeah, he he directed a ton of movies. Yeah. Just an absolute so ton it, of movies. Like, he, like his his is kind of be one of the toughest filmographies to collect completely. Yeah. Just because there are so. I many. mean, Criterion's put out a, a few of this stuff. Um, I think with the Boiling Point was another one of his that I think they put out. Mm, um, yes. Uh, he also did Yankle Do- Yankee Doodle Dandy. 
So that's another one, another big one he did. So um, if Betty Davis and Errol Flynn wasn't enough to get this movie, um, Michael Curtiz is a great director. Check it out. Yes. And the next film is They Won't Believe Me, which is a film starring uh, Robert Young, Susan Hayward, and Jane Greer. Um, I'm looking. I'm looking up release dates. That's why I'm distracted. Yeah, yeah. Um, it looks like these are May releases. Are they May releases? Or okay. Yeah. So far, like they won't believe me. It's coming out May 11th, okay. and then the previous one was like May something. So I think these are May releases, not quite June releases. Okay. So I was close. Um, and this is also a 4K scan of nitrate preservation elements of original wow. 95 minute release version. Nitrate. <laughs> For those of you who don't know who ni- what nitrate is, that's what film used to be made of. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And nitrate, we talked about this when we talked about our film preservation episode on a cinema discovery project, where like the reason why a lot of the old classic films were lost, or the reason why we have such crappy elements now, is because they were original nitrate prints uh, uh, just spontaneously combusted <laughs> because they were so flammable. <laughs> they would just light up like, like the 4th of July. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a film that's also in black and white, and yeah, that's... I don't know much about yeah, this one. No, no features. Yeah. Uh, neither do I, but I love the cast. Yeah. yeah I, like, I, I like the tagline as well. He lived a lie that led him from one disastrous love to another. Well, that sounds like a uh, film. Seems, sounds like a film. Seems dire. Sounds like a film noir to me. <clears throat> it is 1947, <laughs> so it is in that, it, it is in that wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, next up, is The Yearling, yes, which uh, is starring Gregory Peck and Jane Wyman. Gregory Peck just had a birthday recently. I mean, he's passed now, but he people celebrated his birthday. Um, and this is looks like 4K scan of original Technicolor negative. And this uh, this does have a special feature: Screen Guild players radio broadcast, Cartoon Cat concerto, and the all important theatrical trailer is on there. <laughs> well, this is a. Uh, this is a best picture winner or I'm sorry, went not a nomination, uh, not a winner, okay. but it did um, get, it did win best art direction and cinematography. And uh, this is like one of them, like <laughs> movies that back then probably, w- you know, was like something interesting and new, but like now it's only like family kids movies, which is, it's basically about a kid that Perhaps. adopts a baby deer and then it, it's like hijinks ensues. <laughs> it's a very endearing cover. Yeah, yeah. To the Blu-ray. It's, it's, I also yeah. really, I really love how Warner Archive just uses some form of the of the original posters yeah. or close to the original posters. Uh, none, of, none of the new terrible Photoshop garbage we get nowadays. Yeah. Um, yeah. It looks like it was nominated for seven Oscars. Yeah. I'm, I'm into yeah, it. I mean, I'll check it out. I mean, <laughs> the next one is probably one that I'm super happy about. You, 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 you're you, so are you sure? Yeah, I am me, so I am I am definitely happy okay, about good, this. Good. And it, that is Mr. Blanding's Builds His Dream House. <laughs> I've seen this movie. I own this movie on DVD in a in a like TCM Classics uh, Cary Grant collection. Um and yeah, the movie stars Cary Grant, Myrna Loy, and Melvin Douglas. An amazing cast. It's a great like screwball esque comedy where um if you've ever seen the movie um that mo- what's that movie with Tom Hanks and Shelley Long? Um mm. Oh my goodness. Where he buys the house and the house is just falling apart. It's kind of like oh, that. Oh shoot. I'm gonna look. Sleepless in Seattle. I don't know. 
No, I don't no, know. Close, I, I know. I know. I'm yeah. just. I'm just. I was like, "What's a Tom Hanks movie?" Oh, The Money Pit. It's called oh, The Money shit. Pit. I haven't even seen that movie. I, I'm sorry. You've never seen it. No. I I bought it a few years ago on Blu-ray just because I wanted it. Um, but yeah, basically, yeah, this is a great, great comedy starring Cary Grant. It's right in that. Yeah, it's 1948. Um, this comes with uh from a source from a 4K scan or original nitrate camera negative. Um, there are some special features on here. Classic cartoon, House of Tomorrow, Lux Radio Theater with Cary Grant and Irene Dunn, Screen Directors Playhouse with Betsy Drake and Cary Grant. It's a radio program and the theatrical trailer. But yeah, I, I love this movie. It's it basically, you know, he and his wife move out to this country and they're trying to build their, their dream house. And it's just a, uh, it's just a mess. Yeah, yeah. It's just a, a series of hijinks and, and just mess one mess after another puts a strain on their relationship, um, but yeah, it, I love this movie. Cool, and I'm so glad it's getting a getting an upgrade. Awesome. Next is Escape from Fort Bravo, 1953. It's uh, sourced from a 4K scan of the original camera negative. Uh, nothing in the way of special features that they've announced so far, unless mm. nope, there's one theatrical Ooh, trailer. Uh, they didn't oh, have to list man. that. Well, it's they didn't have to list yeah, it. Well, it's I don't know why they it's did. Directed by John Sturgis, <laughs> and we know him. He's nice. he's done a lot of he's done a few good movies like The Great Escape. Um, but it stars William Holden, uh, Eleanor Parker, and John Forsythe. I actually seen this movie. Um, oh, yeah. it's 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 all right. It's a decent western. It's not like. It's kind of in that in between, right before the spaghetti western started kind of hitting the, hitting the scene. Um, this came out in 1953, so yes, it's in that middle ground where I think it's I think the westerns kind of getting stale, maybe. Um, but uh, it's a decent western. It's about like the it's like during the Civil War, and there's like these Union soldiers uh, that have captured some Confederates, and they escape their camp. But they're like in the middle of the desert and there's like a lot of like Apache Native Americans that are out there. So basically they, they're surrounded by the, by the Apaches and uh, the Union soldiers that are on their trail. So it's like kind of like a, you know, hangout movie in the desert trying to escape, you know, kind of. It, it, it's it's OK. It's not bad, but it's it's not like I wouldn't say I'm super excited for this one, but it's it's a decent film. Decent Western. Nice. Nice. Well, next up is a film called The Tender Trap, and it is from 1955, and they are utilizing 4K scan of the original camera negative, and there are some special features on here. There is uh, Frank's in, Frank in the 50s featurette, an excerpt from the MGM Parade featuring Debbie Reynolds, excerpt from the MGM Parade episode 8 featuring Debbie Reynolds again, and the theatrical trailer. I don't know if you could tell, Stephen, this movie stars Frank Sinatra I, and Debbie I, Reynolds. Really? <laughs> As a pair of romantic opposites in this romance classic. Yeah, I I, I think this it's like I think Frank Sinatra plays like kind of like a womanizing guy, um, which makes sense, I guess. <laughs> yeah, not that big of a stretch. Yeah, and, and, and I think he like meets some some other like couple, and then basically both couples kind of like fall in love with the opposites. Uh, you know, like he falls in love with his girl, and they fall in love with you know. It's and it's a musical. Um, so I mean. Yeah, if you're gonna have Frank Sinatra, he's got to sing. Yeah, and and like Debbie said, Reynolds maybe... and Debbie Reynolds, you know. Yeah. So that's very very true. Um, but next is uh, Bachelor in Paradise, film starring Bob Hope and Lana Turner. Nice to see more Lana Turner on Blu-ray. That's always a plus. It's from a 4K scan of the original camera negative, and no, 
special features, only a theatrical trailer. <laughs> um, I'm I'm down for anything with Lana Turner. I got to okay. get more of her stuff in my collection. All right. Um, yeah, she's kind of an all time one of those all time great classic actresses. Uh, she's in movies like uh, uh, Peyton Place and Postman always always rings twice. Uh, Imitation of Life. She was in. That's a great movie. Douglas Sirk film, I, The Bad and the Beautiful. Yeah, I love the uh, reference to her in uh, my, one of my favorite movies, LA Confidential, where they go into that bar and uh, Guy Pierce's, you know, says thinks that the girl that's with that gangster guy is not Lana Turner. It's like some fake, but it actually is Lana Turner. And she slaps him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. We cover that film entirely. On Cinema Discovery Project. Yes. So it's in our archives, <laughs> or, or season one of the podcast. Yeah. And yeah, so more Lana Turner, the better for me. Um, so is that it? Or that there, that, are there that is it for Warner Archive. That is it for Warner Archive. Yeah, so that's that's their May corridor of, of yeah. films, I believe. Yeah. And yeah, that's a pretty that's a that's some stuff in there that I do want to get. Yeah, yeah there's I, I mean, Warner Archive, like we've said before, has always got... Um, you know, they got a great catalog and they have a lot to uh, offer and, uh, they're not nearly as crazy as Kino, which is what we're heading to next. Oh, here we mm. go on the crazy train. Yeah. You know that song, Crazy Train by Ozzy I've never Osborne. heard of it. Never heard of it before. Yeah. Anywho, it's this popular song. They, they play it at every single sports stadium on the planet, oh. probably. And, um, uh, Kino has taken that motto seriously because... <laughs> Every single day since our last podcast, I think they've announced some new release in the future. They're, it's amazing. Instead of giving us all of them at once, no, let's do them one at a yeah. time per day. Well, well, we 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 decided to pick a few to talk about. Um, and the first one I'm gonna I'm gonna list here is um, they announced for July 27th they're bringing out on Blu-ray DVD Stranger on the Run from 1967. It uh stars Henry Fonda. Um. And this is directed by Don Siegel, who is you know he's done some stuff you might might have seen. He did like uh, yeah, he directed a shit ton Invasion of, of the Body Snatchers, uh, what the Killer, he did the Killer, um, the yeah he also directed a lot of early um, Clint Eastwood stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he directed. He did like, uh, the like Escape from Alcatraz, and I think he directed Dirty Harry. Dirty Harry. Yeah. 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 But um. Yeah, this is like a wet, like a western. Um, he like his like Henry Fonda plays like a, a drunkard who escapes from prison, and basically he's looking for I guess a woman he 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 loves in this like railroad town, and basically it's the 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 police after him kind of movie. It's uh, I've never seen it, but um, I mean it. You know, it's Henry Fonda. It's a western. I mean, it might be good. Um, it's got a brand new HD master from a two K scan from an uh, interpositive. Um, they got a new audio commentary by film historian screenwriter Gary Garaney. Um, they got a trailer. They got a newly commissioned artwork, which this does come with a slip cover, which is is kind of a new thing for Kino. Um, so yeah, what do you think about Strangers on the Run? Uh, anything with Henry Fonda, I'm always down. For. Yeah, I'm always down to watch any of his stuff. I'm always down to get any of his stuff. Um, yeah, and it's. It, it is. I'm glad that they have new new features on here. That's that's always good to see. Yeah, and like you said, Stephen, the the slipcover thing is kind of new for them. Yeah, they've done it in the past, but they're doing it more frequently now. Oh yeah. And I don't know if the slipcovers are limited to like they're only like their first print or first run or or first thousand copies or whatever. But I don't know 
uh, how limited those slip covers can be. Yeah, I, I'm just if just if you're a slip cover nut out there like myself. Yeah, I, I'm assuming they're limited, and eventually, like any Blu-ray that we get uh, out in the market, a, a lot of times the slip covers just stop coming. So uh, I think that's what's going to happen is eventually they're just going to stop making them, um, but they're not going to tell us how many that it'll be until that is. So um, that's my that's my thought, but yeah, but um. The next uh, release we're going to talk about is uh, another Western of sorts. Uh, it's from 1965. It's Shanado, um, and it's directed by Andrew V. Uh, McClellan. McClellan. It stars James Stewart, uh, one of your favorites. And yes. uh, it's got a new... It, I don't see that it's got any kind of new restoration on it. It must have a, a decent one already. Um, but it does, I hope, I hope they do something. Well, it's not saying anything yet, but, uh, does say that we have a new commentary from film historian, Michael F. Uh, Blake and C. Courtney Joyner and Constantine Nazar. And then there's a, looks like a special feature, the defiant, uh, Virginian, a super eight short film. And then it's got a trailer and whatnot. And, uh, have you seen this one? Yeah, I have this on DVD actually, okay. and I have seen it, and it's really good. Like, I really love it. It's a darker, yeah. Um, like, like yeah, I mean, it's it's a '60s western, so the '60s westerns are kind of darker. Yeah, and it's it's a pretty dark western. Uh, I believe, yeah, this film is basically um, Jimmy Stewart's character and his family are like kind of they're they're just like it's during set during the Civil War. And it's a drama, but like his family doesn't want to be a part of the Civil War, so they're just, they're just kind of like they're, they just stay out of it. Yeah. And and he's he does he's in Virginia, but he doesn't want to join the um. He doesn't want to join the Confederate Army because he he doesn't he's against slavery and he's just not joining the North. They're just staying out of it. But what happens is I think one of his sons gets taken prisoner, and basically he has to go. He and his, his other sons have to go on this journey to find his his son that's been taken prisoner. And it's it's a really harrowing, really solid Western film. And I'll say this though: I, when I initially became a fan of Jimmy Jimmy Stewart, I didn't think that he would be believable in westerns. Because you see him in like you know the Frank Capra movies of the '30s and and you know It's a Wonderful Life and stuff like that, and you're like, there's no way this guy could be believable as a hardened Western you know character actor person, but he's totally believable yeah. in all the westerns I've seen him in. And this one is really, this one's really, really good. Um, it's an older Jimmy Stewart, so he's more like a, grizzled, like a patriarch, <laughs> like of a family. Okay. Um, yeah, I dig it. I just hope they do something with the transfer because. The only thing we've had is that old DVD okay. from like probably the mid two thousand. Hopefully they do. I didn't yeah. see anything, yeah. but hopefully they did. Um, but awesome, yeah. I, I like the plot. The plot sounded kind of like the movie The Patriot with Mel Gibson. It uh, makes me it makes me kind of yeah. Think, think of, yeah. Think of Jimmy Stewart in the Mel Gibson. Yeah, movie. yeah. And, and then <laughs> and then you know Heath Ledger gets taken away, and then he has to like go after him and like you know tomahawk somebody in the back, and you know that's what I'm hoping for. Um, but awesome. I'm, that's probably going to be one I'm going to get right off the bat. Um, the next one we're going to talk about is a film from 1948, All My Sons, um, directed by Irving Reyes. Um, it stars Edward G. Robinson um, and Burt Lancaster. And uh, it's going to have a new 2K scan of the inner positive. 
Um, doesn't look like there's any special features that I can see, at least not yet. Um, probably has a trailer on there. You know, they like to throw that trailer on there. Um, but have you seen this one? I haven't seen this one. I have not seen it. No. Um, but I, I'm all, but I, I'll watch anything with Burt Lancaster. Oh yeah, and for and Edward G. Robinson to an extent. Yeah, good, good yeah, great I character w- actor. Yeah, yeah. I once went on just a Burt Lancaster marathon of movies because a Criterion Channel had just a, a whole collection of his stuff. So I was like, oh, I got to blitz through all of them before they leave. But this wasn't on there. Hmm. This is a, this looks like an early Burt Lancaster. Yeah, yeah. The, I, I, I'm pretty sure this is a film noir. Um, I mean, at least the plot leads me to believe it's kind of have kind of maybe a thr- thriller aspect to it. It's uh, basically Burt Lancaster. I mean, Burt Lancaster plays Edward G. Robinson's son in this. Um, and basically, uh, Edward G. Robinson, um, who is kind of like a businessman, I think, uh, uh, kind of he, he, he has a, he does a criminal act and then and then frames his business partner and his business partner goes to prison and then later, years later, um, Edward G. Robinson's son, played by Burt Lancaster, marries the daughter of his business partner. So it's like some kind of like, like That's dramatic, twisty yeah, turn. twisted turn of fate, you know, going on in there. So we'll see how. I, I, I'd, I'd be interested in watching it. I, I, I might want to watch it before I buy it. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Apparently, it's also based on a play. I like, I like movies based on plays. Do you now? I do. Well, I can tell you that. The next film we're talking about is probably not based on a play, um, <laughs> which so if that disappoints you, I'm sorry. But uh, the next one, okay, I forgive you. Yeah, okay, okay. So the next we're going to talk about is um, it's a movie that's got two titles. It's uh, it's called Chino or AKA the Valdez Horses. Um, this is directed by John Sturgis, um, and it stars Charles Bronson. And this is another western. Um, it's got, uh, I don't, I don't see anything about new restoration. Let's see. No, it's got a, a new 2k scan from 35 millimeter print. Um, it's restored from the studio canal 1.371. It's got a master with French titles and credits. Um, you got some TV spots, you got some alternate opening titles. Um, so it's got some interesting, it's got some special features here. This also comes with a slip cover also. Um, limited edition. Um, so yeah, have you seen this one? I've not. I have not seen no. this at all. There's a lot of Charles Bronson I still need to see and get. I've, I'll be honest with you, I, I haven't gotten too much into Charles Bronson. I think the few that I've movies I've seen of his, I haven't been like super like into his movies <laughs> or him as an actor. Um, but you know, that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a fan of him. Um, I haven't seen a lot of his stuff, but he he did a lot of movies in like the seventies and eighties. Yeah. Um, I know in the in the eighties he got more into doing kind of kind of B movies, like with Canon Films, yeah. where, like basically all the Death Wish sequels yeah. were all done by Canon Films, who were basically just making schlocky B movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've seen the first Death Wish. I know he was in um, the Dirty Dozen. Um, he was in like the mechanic, the majestic. He was in so many movies that that just had like these, like and they were all kind of like these tough, like badass guy roles, yeah. like super macho man guy roles, and that just seems to be like his persona throughout his career. Yeah, and this this movie is kind of like that kind of. Um, 
I would say it's almost a cliche now of a of a kind of like story where it's like the grizzled older experienced person teams up with some young teen that needs like you know a father figure or a some kind of figure and that's kind of what this is i mean that's what what i from what i gather um so they're they're still making that movie now. yeah oh they still <laughs> so, make that yeah. movie all the time yeah <clears throat> i mean like the professional you know the, you know like in different ways you know but they make that same kind of story up all the time um but yeah and next yeah next uh we got another don siegel film here now you t- you know you talked about how he's i see a trend yeah you see how he uh you said how he taught he uh spent he worked with clint eastwood a lot and this is one of the movies uh coming out august 3rd you got uh, Clu- uh coogan's bluff from 1968 and uh this actually has maybe a couple in- uh, it's got a couple good commentaries on here it's got a uh, an audio commentary from uh filmmaker alex cox um, nice. And uh, got one from another commentary from Sledgehammer. I don't know who that is. Uh, creator of Alan Spencer. I don't know. You know what that is? No, yeah. it just says audio. It says new audio commentary by Sledgehammer! Yeah. Exclamation point. <laughs> creator Alan Spencer. So whatever Sledgehammer is, yeah. uh, Alan Spencer is the creator of it, and he's doing a commentary for this okay. movie. So this movie's got two new commentaries and a new interview with actor Don Stroud. Um, a radio spot, uh, and two theatrical trailer. Well, one's a teaser trailer, one's a regular trailer. Poster and image gallery, reversible art, which is kind of cool, and then the slip cover. Yeah. Um, yeah, I watched this the other night, and it's it's a typical Clint Eastwood movie from the sixties <laughs> or seventies, where he's just like this hardened, like badass dude, and he's just plays by nobody's rules. Um, basically, he's like this, like deputy sheriff from Arizona. Yeah who's got to go to New York to extradite a prisoner. And he gets into all type of, you know, shenan- uh, like shenanigans where like he doesn't want to go through the proper channels because he doesn't want, he doesn't play any bureaucratic game, even though all he has to do is like fill out paperwork to extradite this prisoner. Yeah. And instead he decides just to, just to mess things up <laughs> for everybody. Um, uh, Lee J. Cobb was in the movie. And of course the first scene he's in, he's yelling his lines. Oh, and of it's course. like, oh, Lee J. Cobb's never... Never had a role he's never yelled his lines in, and it's amazing. Yeah. You know, he plays like the a New York like police like police detective chief or something. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, so he's basically walking around like 1968 New York City, dressed head to toe in cowboy attire. <laughs> and there's one scene where he goes into like a hippie nightclub where people are like drinking and doing drugs and dancing and tantric music and oh all kind of stuff and it's like this it's like they're gonna notice that you don't belong here guy oh <laughs> man so this is like a fish out of water story <laughs> yeah yeah but it's basically like a like a dirty harry before dirty harry but he's he's a you know a sheriff from arizona yeah. cowboy sheriff from arizona uh, it's enjoyable it's enjoyable but it, it's it's that same like persona that Clint Eastwood played so many times in the 60s and 70s and 80s and even 90s <laughs> he just seems to be playing that same persona yeah, whole it worked for him people <laughs> people still like it, it worked for him yeah why not well our last um the last one archive we'll talk about or I'm sorry Kino Lorber that we'll talk about um is uh coming out in July 27th um I think the reason this one's coming out is probably just probably partially because uh Joaquin Phoenix uh, won his Oscar um, a couple years ago, or yeah, has it been two years now? Um, but um, 
in a year ago, whatever it Man, is. I can't, I can't even I don't remember. remember. The whole last was year was Was it last year? Holy. Yeah. yeah, all last year was a blur. But, um, Maybe it was last year. Yeah, but this is a Joaquin Phoenix film, uh, and it's called Clay Pigeons. It came out in 1998. It's got a new audio commentary from director uh, David Dobkins. And David Dobkins, he's kind of, I think, like a mainstay of a few of these actors. Like Vince Vaughn's also in this movie. And he's done like Wedding Crashers and he's done some, uh, I think he did Fred Claus. I think he did some, then he did some stuff with like Owen Wilson and stuff too. So um, he's kind of a mainstay with the comedy scene. But this also stars uh, Janine Garofalo. Um, it's, I think, uh, Scott Wilson plays a sheriff in this too. Um, I haven't seen it, but I looked at the trailer and it looks pretty enjoyable. Yeah, I always love watching. Um like movies that you know famous actors or well-known actors or actresses actresses that we know now were in early on in their career yeah. you can kind of see like where they got their start yeah and i know joaquin phoenix had had been in stuff much much earlier than this but this is like pre-gladiator joaquin phoenix you know what i mean so it's like before he became you know relatively well known yeah um which is kind of cool yeah this does have a new audio commentary like you said Five TV spots. I don't know why that's something to write home about, but Jeez. five TV spots. Um, nothing in the way of saying what, um, like the, where the master or where the transfer is coming from. Uh, Jeanine Garofalo, I've always been a big fan of. Jeanine Garofalo actually went to the same college as I did. Oh, okay. Um, but I don't think she ended up finishing there. I think she ended up dropping out because she just could because she hated it. Uh, but uh, anywho, yeah, so. I'm looking. I, I was actually glad that you mentioned this because I I wanted to add it to our to the slate of releases, and that's about it for Kino. There's there's a few more releases, but we can't cover everything. Yeah, dude, it's it, uh, you, they they're just they're out of control. They're out of control. <laughs> like there's a movie here. Um, actually, I just want to mention this movie quickly because it connects to a movie we're going to talk about later. Um, Slow Dancing in the Big C- in the Big City, starring Paul Servino, um, is is also coming out in July. Um, I want to mention that because there's another movie starring with Paul Sorvino in it that we're going to talk about soon. Okay. So I wanted to make that connection. All right. I mean, and that does have a new 2K scan for Interpositive. Mm. It's got new interviews with composer Bill Conti and actor Nicholas Coster. So they're putting in some. Hey, I like Bill, I like Bill Conti. But it's yeah, it's one of those combined Scorpion releasing and Keanu Lover releases. Okay. So that's also kind of important to mention. Uh, yeah, there's another one here, like a like a combined Code Red and Kino release. So there's kind of like some team ups going on here. Yeah, I mean, why not? Which why thought, not? That was interesting. Yeah. Awesome. But moving on to the next label and the never ending. <laughs> the la- where are we going now? Let's Steve? go, let's go over Shout Factory to? or Scream okay. Scream Factory for the most part. Scream slash Shout, let it all out. Yeah. Um. Yeah, talk about a slate. They drop this. This kind of kicked off the slates of the week this week. We got three big slates uh, just during the week leading up to this movie, to this movie, to this podcast, <laughs> and this is the first one that really kind of dropped, yeah. um, and it's a big one. Yeah, it's a pretty big slate. Um, uh, the first one I'll we'll talk about here is uh, this is a classic. This is like uh, probably should have been on the Criterion Collection, but it, it it's going to make it on Scream Factory, and that is Eight Legged Freaks. <laughs> nice you know i i had never seen this movie until this oh week, really even though i knew about it um yeah I, well, I just watched it the other night randomly just just so i could say that on this podcast at this at this very moment 
So yeah, I, you know, I've seen. My week is I, now I probably saw this movie back when it came out, and I, I don't. Yeah, it came out two thousand and two. Yeah, so it's, it's it was in the wheelhouse of when I was a kid, and I probably watched this. Uh, I don't really remember it too well, but um, I, I know I've seen it, and uh, you know, this stars David Arquette <laughs> and Scarlett Johansson's in it, I think too. Um, yeah, very young Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. She plays like a teenage daughter in this movie. Yeah. But this was right before she became like this was like three years before Matchpoint. Okay. The the Woody Allen movie Matchpoint, where she be she she people started to notice her and stuff like that. This was like right before she started, you know, her career started taking an upward trajectory. This was right around the time as uh, Ghost World as well. Yeah, okay. She was in that as she was in that film. Uh, but yeah, I yeah, it's it's kind of a horror comedy. What happens is this toxic waste gets dumped into this river, and all of these like spiders start evolving into giant eight legged monsters yeah, I mean, and freaks. Look, <laughs> and like David Arquette is supposed to be some type of engineer returning to his hometown, and then the whole now the whole town is getting overrun, and they've got it, and he and his he and uh, the woman who plays like the sheriff. It's one of those small towns where there's only like two cops in the town. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me a lot of Tremors, just not as fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the similar type of concept: small town horror comedy. Got to survive against giant monsters. Um, it's fine. I think it's fine. David Arquette do, doing David Arquette stuff. Um, yeah, but it. I'm not sure when it comes to um, any details on it. When it, it doesn't um, have much. It, a lot of the details haven't been announced yet. So, oh, is that yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, you know what it is with with Shout Factory and their imprint Screen Factory is they announce their titles and then they give the details later yeah. because they're still working on stuff. Yeah, it says extras to that be announced to be... later date. So, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, I even went to this. I even went to their website to see if there was anything. No, yeah. nothing. Uh, where do you want? So, what's the next? Um, time? well, this is the this to me is the big one, and this is what this is what yeah, this is what we both got Drop really excited right. about when we saw that it dropped, and that is uh, this is a, a Stephen King adaptation. This is from 1983, um, and that is The Dead Zone, starring finally, yeah, yeah, I know, finally. starring Christopher Walken, um, and this is directed by the great David Cronenberg big fan of his and um from what i can tell uh it looks like the release date's july 27th um this is presented as a collector's edition will come guaranteed with a slip cover and has three months uh first three months of the release uh, i've already pre-ordered this so i'm getting it um uh, <laughs> nice. i also pre-ordered it from scream factory so i'm also getting the uh newly commissioned artwork that's going to be in a, on a 18 by 24 poster um, so I'm going to get that. That's only limited to 700 pieces. So if you want that, you better go jump on that. Um, jump on it now. Yeah, I I, I recently, they, were, they had announced, I don't know if it was Universal or somebody, whoever's got all the Stephen King adaptation, you know, 80s adaptations or whatever, they were releasing like a box set of like Pet Cemetery yeah. and Salem's Lot, all this kind of stuff. And the Dead Zone was in it. And it's like... Is that really how we're going to get the Dead Zone here in the United States? Is in a box set with all these other movies? Uh, but I guess not. I guess we're getting a collector's edition from Scream Factory. And finally, because I know that this is available in a release from Australia, I, have I want to yeah, say. Yeah, I have it, yeah. Stephen has it. I remember Stephen had it. Um, and we talked about all like Stephen King adaptations uh, on an episode for Cinema Discovery Project. And this was one that I was like, yeah, I think it's a great 
I, I really like this movie. It's one of the more tame Cronenberg movies of the time. It's I pretty straightforward. I mean, um, basically a guy ends up having, after a car accident, he ends up gaining the ability to like kind of see into the future. Uh, yeah, he gets like ESP. Yeah, basically. yeah. And he, he starts to get visions that the a politician who's running for president is going to basically end the world. <laughs> so like, you know, <laughs> and they did a TV series later on with, um, they did with, with uh, who was the actor um, that played the main character? I, Shit, I have to look that up. I remember we had that same question when we uh, Anthony um, Michael had... Hall was it Anthony? Yeah, Michael Anthony Hall? Michael Hall plays it plays the Chris Walken character in that in this show. I remember when that series came out. Yeah, it was two thousand and two, yeah. and it was Anthony Michael Hall. Um, yeah. Show went for the the show went for like eighty one episodes, like six yeah. They seasons. they really Damn. you know you get you get a deeper deeper you know sense of the psychological yeah, stuff. Always, yeah, yeah. But this stars Christopher Walken in the lead, and you know it's just Chris Walken just doing his thing, doing, doing his I thing. Mean, man. I mean, come on, you can't 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 go wrong there. Yeah, no, of course not. Um, you know, uh, I always love quoting this movie just randomly to people to see if they get the reference, <laughs> but they never do. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm actually super, super glad to get that this is finally coming out because it's it's a hole in the Cronenberg, co- you know, collection for me. Yeah, and I gotta, I I'm a completist, so I gotta get, I gotta get all the stuff. Yeah, we just need them to to cover more of the '90s Cronenberg stuff, and we'll be good. They'll be good. Yeah. But um, all right. Well, another another uh, release that's also oh, this one made me even yeah, happier. I know, right? I, uh, well, I haven't. I, I I'm pretty sure I've seen this film, but it's been so long that I it's like one of the movies that I probably saw on TV. And like I can't remember whether I saw it, but it looks so familiar. Um, but this is also getting a, a pretty good treatment here. Um, it's a film called Brotherhood of the Wolf. Um, yes, it's a French. Film. Yeah, and um, it hits the Region A on July twenty seventh. Also, it's getting a two disc set. Um, it's also getting a slip cover for the first three months of the release. It's got newly commissioned artwork. Pictured come uh, comes to us from the artist. Adam Stothard. Um, yeah, it looked right now, as usual, there's no announcements of extras, but it is going to get the poster, the 1824 poster. If you go to their, uh, shout factory site and order straight from them. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't, I can't remember the film that well, but can you tell me, tell the audience? Of, yeah. yeah, I, it does say here that our release will feature the director's cut and hours of bonus features on a second okay. disc. Also, our release will feature both the French and English audio because, like I said, it is a French film, so it is originally in French. Um, I, I, yeah, I saw this movie years ago because I had because I had always heard about people talking about this movie, and because it came out in two thousand and one, so it was in that late nineties, early two thousands um, era of action films that were trying to capitalize on. The Matrix. Yeah. So the action in the movie is very Matrix-esque, I remember. Um, and I remember really liking the movie a lot. Um, it's set in like the 18th century fa- uh, France, uh, but it's kind of like a fantasy type world. Um, yeah, basically there's like, there's like a mysterious beast that's like killing people and there's like an investigation behind it. Uh, I remember the film also stars... Um, someone we've talked about before, Vincent Cassell, ah, yes. who was in uh, La Haine. Love that film. Uh, Monica Bellucci is in the film as well. Um, and they're on screen together. Vincent Cassell is 
is just a he's just slime on screen every <laughs> single time I see him. He really is like he plays just the perfect like aesthetically looking bad guy. <laughs> and I remember him just being just being awful in this movie um, as an antagonist. But yeah, it's I really have always dug this movie. You know, people may watch it today and think it's overrated or overhyped, um, but I've always liked it, and I've just I've always held out on buying it because I was hoping for a Blu-ray release. And there's been a two-disc DVD edition that's been available for here for years. I think it's been available overseas for a long time as well. But it was one of those mysteries that it just wasn't released here. Um, I'm glad it finally is. Cool. And this deluxe version as well. Awesome. So, yeah. Next. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely want to check it out uh, to make sure that I've seen it or not, whether I've seen it or not. So, um, <laughs> I might even, I think, it, I think it's available on like Amazon or something to rent. Maybe I might try to rent it and check it out before I buy it. Um, but um, cool. Um, now the last few that we have here are actually through the Shout Select uh, section of Shout Factory. So um, these are considered to be the more, <laughs> the more I guess you could say uh, critically acclaimed movies. Uh, that I laugh at a, a, at least one of these as being critically. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, the first one we'll talk about here is um, a movie called State in Maine. Um, yes. And this has a, a huge cast, uh, you know, Alec Baldwin, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, William H. Macy, Sarah, uh, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, the list goes on. Um, but this is a movie I have not seen, but it looks like you're going to get, it doesn't have any info on it yet, but it's coming out, I would assume maybe in July, maybe August. Um, have you seen you've seen this, haven't you? Didn't you? I have seen State in Maine. Yeah. I have seen State in Maine because, you know, one of my closest friends, when I first met him, he kept talking about David Mamet. Yeah, okay. And I had no idea who David Mamet was. Uh David Mamet is is like a Pulitzer Prize award winning um playwright and but he had transitioned to uh directing and writing movie scripts like back in the eighties. Some of his movies are in the Criterion collection, like House of Games. Uh um Yeah, I think was it Elena or Elena? Or something like that is another uh, one of his. Oh yeah, or um, was it Orleana? Orleana, that's, that's it. That's it. Yes, which I think also stars William H Macy. Um, but he had done, uh, I think the movie Homicide as well, which is also in the Criterion Collection. Both of those, I, oh, no, House of Games got a Blu-ray release. The other one didn't. But he's also directed. Um, what a, what other? He's done. I'm just looking right now. Uh, he did the movie Red Belt which I think Chiwetel Ejiofor was in. He did that movie Spartan, uh, which is kind of like a thriller. He did a movie called Heist. Um, but yeah, Oleana was the movie you were talking about. But he also wrote, um, I believe he wrote the screenplay for, um, what's the movie? Now I can't remember. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Yeah, he did the, I think he wrote the play of Vanya on 42nd Street. He did the screenplay for Wag the Dog. Um, Oh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. That's the movie yeah, I was talking yeah, about. Because yeah. it's based on his play. And he wrote the screenplay for that. And I, for me, when it comes to David Mamet, I think he's a better writer than he is a film director. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he writes you know, better plays, better screenplays uh, than he is a film director. Um, yeah. He also, uh, yeah, he wrote the screenplay for Ronin to the, the John Frankenheimer film. Okay. Which is a great film. So I think he's a better screen. But anywho. Getting back to State in Maine, it's a movie he both wrote and directed, and like you said, star-studded cast. Yeah. An absolute star-studded cast. 
in it. And it just seems... It, I, I, I didn't expect this to get a Blu-ray release. I wasn't expecting it at all. But it's a it's a welcome a welcome thing. Um yeah. Cool. I'll I'll check it out. I mean, the problem I think with Shout Factory and Shout Select releases is some of their stuff is a little overpriced. What I mean? Like that really yeah. kind of prohibits me from buying a lot of their Shout Select stuff. Um but yeah. Okay. It's cool. Well, Next. Uh, speaking of um, you know crazy uh, you know uh, out of their mind, this this one blew me away because this one came straight out of out of my childhood. Um, and also, I'd like to go ahead and thank them. I guess if I decide to buy this, I guess, but I want to go ahead and thank them ahead of time for helping them get rid of this uh, one of the films in my collection that has a snapper case. And oh, as as a collector, goodness, you know, it's ancient. I know, as you know, you know, as a collector, DVDs used to come in these like snapper cases. It's ridiculous, and everything gets stuck on the snapper yeah. cases when you line them up on your shelf. Yeah, it's rough. Um, but the film, and this is once again, I can't believe it's in Shout Select, Little Big League. I can't believe this movie is getting a Blu-ray release. I can't believe we remember. Like I, I can't really. I can't believe we remember it. <laughs> you know, it, it's like it, it's like the lesser version of Angels in the Outfield. I was just going to mention that. And also, it's like, it got like, like Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year was the other yeah, it one. Got over, it got overshadowed by both of those yeah. movies. Speaking of which, uh, we need an Angels in the Outfield. Yeah, where we're, we're saying, and look, that has stars in it. That has Danny Glover. That has Joseph Gordon. Christopher Lo- Lloyd. Joseph Gordon yeah. Lovett. Why doesn't it have like a like a, a shout select release? <laughs> well, I think one, it's owned by Disney. Yeah. yeah. And two, I if it's going to come out, it's going to come through their like exclusive Disney Movie Club line. Like they released all the Mighty Ducks movies yeah. on Blu-ray. Well, this is the, uh, this is what's going to ha- goofy movie. This is what's going to have to happen. They're going to have to do a reboot of some sort, just like they're doing with the Mighty Ducks right now, and then right. they'll release it on Blu-ray. They have to come up with a reason awesome. to put it out, you know. So, because um, people won't just That'd buy awesome. it. But yeah, little yeah, yeah little uh, tell the people what the premise of this. Uh, well, Maybe Little Big League is basically about a kid who uh, is is acquires the ownership of a, a of a major league baseball team, which in this case is the Minnesota Twins. Um, and yeah, and and he's like twelve years. Yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a young kid. I mean, I'm sure. He, I mean, he's a baseball kid. He's like a a fan of baseball, but he's not. You know, he's never owned owning a team is is a big responsibility. So you know, the movie's about. I think about. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but um. I would assume, if I'm remembering correctly, it's about how, you know, they don't respect him as being the owner, but then, you know, they learn from him being a kid, you know, learning about the the beginnings of why you love baseball in the first place, because he's a kid, you know. And, uh, you know, it's, like I said, it, it's a little overshadowed, but I don't think it's as good as the two other movies we, we uh, talked about. Um, I like Rookie of the Year and, and uh, Angels in the Outfield more. <laughs> yeah, it's like a fair, like a... It's kind of a, it's, like it's a kind kid, of culty. It's a movie. You, it's kind of culty. Yeah, it's a movie you watch when you're a kid. And you're like, how cool would it be to own your own like favorite sports yeah. team? You know what I mean? Uh, I think like I can't remember he if he's friends with the previous owner or if it's like his grandfather or something like that. But the previous owner passes away yeah. and basically leaves him the team in his will. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's nice of you, I guess. <laughs> Thanks. I guess I know what I'm doing. Uh, yes. But it's you know. If anything, if I decide to buy this, it'll be because of nostalgia, yeah, nostalgia. and to replace the DVD I have. <laughs> got to get that out. Of yeah, got to get that. Got to get all the weeds out of there, out of my collection. <laughs> um, but um, and the last shout uh, select we're going to talk about here is uh, is a, is actually a really a big one here. Um, this is a, a Oscar winning film. 
Yes, um, we are moving way at the other side of the spectrum. <laughs> speaking of the, yeah, comes yeah to let's do this. Right it's, it's opposite day now, and now we're going to talk about a film that's critically acclaimed. Um, it won Best Picture. It won the director won Best Director, and it's the Roman Polanski film, The Pianist, um, starring Andrew Adrian Brody. Um, honestly, I, I'm 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 a little embarrassed to say I haven't seen this yet. Um, yes, I ha- I have seen the movie. Um, yeah, won Best Actor, Best Director, uh, did not win Best Picture. Oh, did it not? Year. I thought it did. No, no, 2003 oh, so that, would have been Chicago. That was, that was the Chicago well, Then it should have won Best Picture is what I'm, probably. Yeah, it was Chicago, <laughs> The Hours, <laughs> The Pianist, Gangs of New York, and The Two Towers, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. You know what I was pulling for that Well, year. I was going to say, there's um, at least two movies there. Um, that I would have picked. I mean, the, I haven't seen the pianist, but I bet you it's better than Chicago. <laughs> Chicago is. Really I don't really. Good, I don't I, really like Chicago. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. I don't know if you're a big musical. Well, I like person. musicals, but that one I just didn't like. I didn't like that one. Right. Uh, the hours is really good, and no one talks about that movie. Isn't that? A, uh, is that, that is that Spike Lee? No, no the hours is. Um, it's Stephen Daldry's the director. Okay, yeah, but yeah, it yeah, stars yeah. Nicole Kidman, Julianne Moore, Meryl Streep. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Delane, Miranda Richardson. Um, it's about, um, like, yeah, I think it's about, yeah, it's, is it about it, time? it's, a, it's a drama. It's about we don't get it into it. We've got time. <laughs> no, but it, it's on. It's available on DVD and Blu-ray now. Okay, cool. So it, that's how it works into but, it. But it's really but yeah, okay. A the, lot of people don't talk yeah, about it. Yeah, the pianist. Um, but the pianist is the is like you said a critically acclaimed film. Yeah. It you know st- um, it's set during World War II, specifically the Holocaust. Um, and Roman Polanski, you know, he is obviously persona non grata for decades now for obvious reasons. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's one of his most, I don't want to say beloved films, but it's one of his best, for lack of a better term. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, you know, deeply dramatic, very harrowing. Adrian Brody's amazing in the movie. Um, and it's kind of the standout of Adrian Brody's career in terms of, his acting performances and the movie is 20 what 19 years now 19 years yeah um surprisingly this hasn't gotten a release sooner yeah i know it's roman polanski and i know for obvious reasons you know his people stay away from his stuff now um especially in you know in modern times um but it's still a movie that i'm surprised it didn't get a blueberry release like 10 years ago or something like yeah. that um yeah yeah yeah, it's it's supposed to come out July. It's supposed to come out July thirteenth. So, yeah, um, there. And before we move move uh, from Shout Factory slash Shout Shout Select, there was one movie that you forgot, and I can't believe you forgot, Stephen. Oh Jesus! Um, from the Scream Factory line, I can't believe you forgot this classic of all classics. Um, and that would of course be the the acclaimed remake or third, you know, film. And that would be House of Wax. Yeah, it, I, I, a I'll edition. be honest with you. I didn't forget. This I didn't, I, I didn't forget film. it. I just decided <laughs> that it wasn't worth talking about because it has it's Paris. 2000... It has Paris Hilton in it. I don't. Oh, it does. Also has. Yeah. Oh, this this star started class. Uh, this is a mid two thousands cast. If I ever saw one, Paris Hilton, Alicia Cuthbert, Chad Michael Murray, Jared Padalecki. Yeah, that is a mid two thousands cast. If I ever saw one, I mean, if they would, um, if they, it's a cult, they should, it's a cult if, if they would have had the Dawson's Creek cast in there, I would have been like, okay, this is worth talking about, <laughs> but then it's not. Oh yeah, what's it? Uh, 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 yeah, of course. <laughs> but this is yeah, I think 
this already had a Blu-ray release previously, uh, but this is getting a collector's edition. Uh, I'm only talking about this because I know there are people who are fans of this. Uh, well, um, how many? Like two or three other people? It's a it's a cult film amongst <laughs> horror fans. I I watched it too. I remember seeing it in like the mid to late 2000s. Yeah. Um, and it was my introduction to like the House of Wax world, I guess. Because um, I didn't see the Vincent Price one until later. And I didn't see the original uh, one until recently. Um, but I almost want to get it because I have the previous two versions. But I also don't want to spend what a sh- what a Scream Factory price point's going to be for this movie. Yeah, It's got to be one of the sale ones, I think. Yeah. I don't know. But anywho, well, let's move on. I just had to mention it. Of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So next we're going to go – we got one release that we're going to um, – we're going to just mention real quick um, from uh, Vinegar Syndrome. Um, yes. They have a very interesting release coming out. And we thought it was an important one to mention. Um, they they have – they're putting on a – it looks – I guess it's going to be a series of um, of uh, releases um, called Altered Innocence. And this is the volume one. And these are, um, these are groups of short films um, that are – um, centered around uh, the LGBT community, uh, the com- their coming of age films. There, but there's like nearly three hours of LGBTQ and coming of age short films and music videos that await you in the debut of Altered Innocence cinematic mixtape. Um, so there's tons of uh, a tour filmmakers on here that are doing these 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 films, um, and we just thought that this was an and something that maybe would interest the audience and. Um, that maybe you should check into. Um, it's looking like it's already out and it looks like it's going for twenty four ninety nine us dollars. So not, not too bad of a deal there. What do you, what do you think about this release? Yeah. What's I, I, I dig it. I, I like it cause it's, you know, something different. And I, and I've always been a proponent of not only, you know, these LGBTQ plus, you know, centered films, but the fact that we're getting like short film collections, there just aren't a lot of yeah. them. To the point where I'm like, yeah, I want to watch more short films, but where do I watch them? Are they are they online? Yeah. Are they on a disc somewhere? How can I see sh- more short films? Uh, and what is really cool about Vinegar Syndrome is if you go to their website, um, all I think all of their releases are limited, but on the page for their releases, they tell you how many are left in stock, so you know when to order. Like yeah. if and you know if it if there's if if it goes from like a thousand to 500 in a day or two, you know that it's it's a hot item yeah. and people are buying it. So you better order it now. Uh, basically, it's the only one of the only sites I've ever seen that does that with their stock. No one else seems to do it. So you never know when things are going to you know go out of print or sell out somewhere. But on their site, you can tell. Yeah. And and they have and their stuff is limited edition. You know, and they tell you it's limited edition. Yeah, I think it's down. I think this release is actually down to about 700 and something releases. Yeah, I'm yeah. on there right now. It says 772 left in stock, yeah. and I think they started out at 1,100 copies. Yeah. So people are buying them. Yep, yeah, definitely. So if you want to want to grab this, uh, I would do it soon because that's a pretty good price, I think, for a, a large collection of uh, short films, um, three hours worth. I mean, that's not too bad, I don't think. Yeah, it's 164 minutes worth. Yeah. So, was yeah, that's one. I can never tell between what a six and an eight looks like, <laughs> depending on the font. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, and check out Vinegar Syndrome's other stuff too. Definitely. I'm only starting getting into their catalog, so I I'm not the one to go for for recommendations. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to, to look to. I'm you know I'm 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 always kind of searching around looking at, to see what they put other labels are putting out to see if anything entices me. So I don't think I have any of them in my collection yet, but um, this maybe this will be the first one. So um, cool. Um, and now we move on to we have two more labels to talk about. Um, and these are the big guns, um, mm. at least in our eyes. Uh, and I th- for us personally, yeah, for us yeah. for us personally, it's the ones we we I think we both spend the most money on. Um, and that and and Criterion Collection is going to be the is that you know, let, is that what you want to go yeah, first? Yeah, let's go Criterion. Okay. You 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 lead us through this. Yes. So these will be the July titles. Yes. So these will be coming out right in the middle of the, you know, if you're here in the United States, so you know, or if you're near one of these stores, the Barnes and Noble, fifty percent off Criterion sale, or you know, if you can get it online, um, through shipping or whatnot. If the sale is indeed happening again this year, these should come out during that sale period, which is perfect time to buy some of these. Yeah. Uh, first up here is Bringing Up Baby, which when I saw this, I screamed <laughs> so ha so loud. Enjoy because every time I go by my shelves, I see the old two disc DVD uh, version, and I'm like, when am I going to get a Blu ray of this movie? Um, and finally, we got one here in the States uh, in Region A land uh, through Criterion. This is a Howard Hawks film. Uh, this film came out in 1938. This is, this is quite possibly one of my favorite screwball comedies of all time, um, and one of my favorite Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant films of all time. Um, I just love it so much. I've seen it so many times. Um, basically, uh, Cary Grant is like this paleontologist, um, and he's like this really stuffy kind of scientist guy. And Catherine Hepburn's the complete opposite. She's she's very loose and carefree, and she's just but she's really smitten with him. But he's beholden to someone else so she's trying to like win him over the whole time and so she just like tricks him into like all kind of shenanigans yeah and she has a pet tiger that's called baby or, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, the term bringing up baby it's a it's a it's a leopard i think is it a leopard it's a, yeah, 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 it's a, yeah it is a leopard you're right yeah. and basically what happens is this leopard gets a hold of this uh dinosaur bone and Cary Grant has to get it back but then like a dog buries it in the yard in her Connecticut home so he has to stay there until he finds it and she's just trying to keep him there for as long as she can because she loves him it's yeah. really in just chaos and it's, it's, it's hilarious it's very much I mean it's 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 very much a, a very like like you said a screwball to the yeah it's it's, it's a you know atypical screwball yeah comedy. I mean there's not like, there's the, not much in the sense of plot it just is more about the shenanigans than anything that get, that happens between the two. And I'll say, out of the Cary Grant perform, performances I've seen, this is one of the most like I think different of of him I've ever like because he's playing kind of a a doofus of sorts, even though he's supposed to be smart. Yeah, he's kind of yeah. playing a doofus. <laughs> yeah, this was right around the time. Th- this was around the time of His Girl Friday. Yeah, and this movie are, are around the same time. This is when the Cary Grant, you know comedic persona on-screen persona that people would know him for started to first show yeah. up uh and this is where that really puts him on the map um and i just love katherine hepburn so much i thought she was Shoot. fantastic in she, she, she she's I, exhausting to watch sometimes because she's so yeah she talks so fast so she saw she talks so fast you're like god that's that howard hawks yeah. like dialogue like from his girl friday where they're just going back and forth and it's just you know like you you're going 100 miles a minute 
Um, and I think this was one of the films that kind of got her out. I don't know if this was around the era where they labeled her like box office poison, and this was one of the films that kind of got her out of that, or if it was slightly later when she started doing films with Spencer Tracy, because this was before uh, she started doing films with Spencer Tracy. Um, and, yeah, because I think their first film together was The Woman of the Year, which yeah. came out, I think, 1940, also, also in the cri- Also there. in the Criterion Collection. Also in the Criterion Collection. But, yeah, I love this movie so much. And it's getting a new... Uh, Restored 4K digital transfer with uncompressed monorail soundtrack. Audio commentary from 2005, 2005 featuring filmmaker Peter Bogdanovich. New video essay on actor Cary Grant by author Scott Iman, who just, I think, did a new book on him. Um, Scott Iman's done a bunch of biographies about oh, all okay. Hollywood people. Um, new interview about, uh, about cinematographer Russell Meddy with cinematographer John Bailey. A new interview with film scholar Craig Barron on special effects pioneer Linwood Dunn. New selected scene commentary about costume designer Howard Greer with costume historian Shelley Foote. Howard Hawks' A Hell of a Good Life, a 1977 documentary by Hans Christoph Blumenberg featuring the director's last filmed interview. Audio interview from 1969 with Cary Grant. Audio excerpts from a 1972 conversation between Hawks and Bogdanovich. Trailer and then English subtitles. And then there's an essay book. Is a And then there's a booklet that has an essay by critic Sheila O'Malley and an also short story from 1937 by Hagar Wilde on which the film is based. So a stacked um, special features package if I ever saw one. Um, I don't know if it's going to carry over all of these special features from the DVD. That doesn't seem to be the case with Criterion a lot. I don't know if you ever stumbled into that, Stephen. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't... I I don't I've never owned this movie so I don't know. Well, what... that seems to happen with a lot of their stuff. Where if it's a re- Criterion re-release, yeah. the special features will be different. Okay. So if you're a completist, you may want to hold on to your okay. editions. Right. That's happened with like the Manchurian Candidate for me and with Notorious and stuff like that. Okay. So yeah, that's that film. Let's move on to the next film, which is um, Tar- a Tark- Andre Tarkovsky film. This is, so it's a heavy this is film. a big this is a big one I think for a lot of. Uh collectors yes. because we, we've been I think a lot of uh, cinephiles have been waiting for more Tarkovsky to get blue this is one of the specific ones they've been waiting to get a blu-ray release so yeah this is mirror from 1975 um, and this has a new 2k digital restoration with uncompressed monorail soundtrack uh, Andre Tarkovsky a cinema prayer a 2019 documentary about the director by his son Andre a Tarkovsky cool the dr- the Dream in the Mirror, a new documentary by Luis Milne and Sean Martin. New interview with composer Edouard Artemyev. Islands, Georgi Rurberg, a 2007 documentary about the cinematographer. Archival interviews with Tarkovsky and screenwriter Alexander Misharin. And new English subtitle translation, plus an essay by critic Carmen Gray. And for the Blu-ray, the 1968 film proposal and literary script by Tarkovsky and Misharin that they ultimately developed into Mirror. So yeah, this is a Tarkovsky film, and there have been a few of his films released through Criterion. Stalker, Ivan's Childhood, um, uh, Solaris is another one, Uh, Andrei Rublev is another one. Um, Those have all gotten the Blu-ray upgraded treatments, and now Mirror... um, I'm very curious, Stephen, hmm. if we're going to get a Tarkovsky box set in the future. 
Well, that's the only thing that would keep me from buying this right away. Well, you know, and I love my Tarkovsky. I mean, from what I've seen, he is. I don't. If, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, he's not a director that directed a lot of films. Did he only direct like maybe ten films, maybe in all? Let me look. Um, the only reason I would even hesitate. But even in the, but this hasn't stopped in the past. Is that some of his movies I've already gotten Blu-ray well, releases from I was going to say the, the other. I think Kino's put out a couple of his films. Yeah, like Winter. Let's see. He directed. Looks like 12, he did. Like like the sacrifice. Eleven. The sacrifice was put out by Kino. Um, it looks like yeah. It looks like he only has like eleven or twelve. Yeah. So that that would I mean you could do like an essentials box set like maybe kind of like what they've done with Fellini. Um, okay. You know, but I, you know, obviously a complete box set of his films is probably not going to happen um, through Criterion. But uh, I mean, do we really need a box set for everybody? I mean, <laughs> I'll take it. I mean, it makes things nice and compact and sh- saves well, shelf space. Well, yeah. Well, and... I mean, unless it's like these damn big ass packages that people keep complaining about, it doesn't. Oh, yeah. It doesn't I save shelf space. <laughs> you got to find extra self, extra place to put yeah. it. Um. Yeah, but that's the only thing that would ever keep me from getting this. But chances are, I probably will. Yeah, I'll, pro- I'll probably just pick it up. <laughs> yeah, next film is actually a film that you've seen, Stephen. That is uh, Deep Cover, which is a neo noir from the '90s. And this film came out in 1992, directed by Bill Duke. And people probably know Bill Duke mostly for being an actor than yeah. being a director. Yeah, yeah. But he has directed a few movies. Yeah, he's he's um, done a lot of movies actually. I haven't seen a lot of them, so I'm now I'm very interested. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, this is kind of like a. It's very '90s, and you know, I mean, it's. I mean, it, you when you watch it, it, it feels like the '90s. But um, you know, this gives you kind of maybe a little bit of the um, feeling of like uh, the Departed, which would come later, um you know, kind of following a, a guy going from being a kind of, um, a new cop, you know, a fresh cop on the scene to going undercover and trying to, and, you know, kind of like, um, dealing with his, you know, mortality and dealing with like his morals and like, you know, cause he, you know, he has to do bad things to get in with the bad guys and, you know, how that affects him, you know, psychologically and, you know, this film deals with all that stuff. It's a little bit more streamlined. It's not like, um, ju- it doesn't jump all over the place with different characters like the departed, but it has that same kind of vibe. And, uh, I really dug it. It was a really, um, and L- Lawrence Fishburne, you know, has always been one of my favorite actors. I really always, he always has a very commanding presence, um, on screen. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would check it out. Um, yeah, this isn't, earlier role from Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Um, this was right around the time like Boys in the Hood. Yeah, era, yeah, yeah. Lawrence Fishburne. Um, I love the cover. Yeah, I the cover's that, great. Yeah. That color scheme is awesome. Um, yeah, Bill Duke's actually directed a lot more than I thought. Yeah. Um, a lot of television stuff. Um, but yeah, he's got He's got 72 acting credits and 61 directing credits. So he's had quite a career. Yeah. Uh, and this is getting a new 4K digital restoration with 2.0 surround DTS HD master audio soundtrack, new interview with director Bill Duke, and a new conversation between film scholars Raquel J. Gates 
and Michael B. Uh, Gillespie about Deep Cover's place within the within both the black film boom of the early '90s and the noir genre. That sounds very yeah, fascinating sounds, to yeah. me. I love I love like historical context of movies. Yeah, I just love histories of history of movies. Um, new conversation between scholar Claudrina and Harold and Professor DJ and the podcaster Oliver Wang or Wong uh, about the film's titles title track and its importance in the history of hip hop. Apparently, this film features a a debut solo single for Dr. Dre. Oh, okay, that's yes. interesting. I was reading that. I was just reading that in the description. Uh, and lastly, here there's a panel discussion from 2018 featuring Duke and Fishburne and Fishburne, and moder- moderated by film critic Elvis Mitchell. Um, and there's a trailer and then English subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing, plus an, esp- an essay by Gillespie. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. I'm actually really want to watch that movie right away. I kind of don't want to wait for the release. So I'm just <laughs> really fascinated by it. Uh, but next up, we have a movie called Working Girls, uh, directed by Lizzie Borden. And this film came out in 1986, right before the year before I was born. I'm, I'm just in case you guys didn't know. <laughs> just in case you guys didn't know. Yeah. Just so you, just uh, so you know, the, when his birthday is, uh, what month? What, what, yeah, what, 1987. Come on, what, now. what's put, the month? What's the, what's the month in the day? So that you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this has a new restored 4K digital transfer, supervised by director Lizzie Borden, with uncompressed monaural soundtrack on Blu-ray. Uh, audio commentary from 2007 featuring Borden, director of photography Judia Irola, and actor Amanda Goodwin. A new conversation between Borden and filmmaker Betty Gordon. A new conversation with actors Louise Smith and Amanda, and Amanda Goodwin, producer Andy Gladstone, and first assistant director Vicky Funari. New conversation with sex workers Antonio and... Yeah, Antonia or Antonia Crane, Daphne, Selena the Stripper, and Joe Weldon. And then English subtitles with deaf and hard of hearing, plus an essay by author So Meyer and excerpts from a 1987 interview with Borden by film critic Scott McDonald. Now, I haven't seen this film, but I know its premise and I know what it's uh, dealing with. Typically, um, the world of uh, sex workers yeah. in the 1980s. Um, it's, it's kind of an underground feminist landmark film uh, in the 1980s. Um, and I'm really fascinated by oh, it. Oh yeah, I, like yeah. I really want to check it Definitely. out. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like you. I've, I've just heard about it, but I've never, uh, never gotten a chance to see it. So, <clears throat> yeah, definitely want to check it out. Yes, it just getting into the description here. Inspired by the experiences of the sex workers Borden met while making her underground feminist landmark film Born in Flames, Working Girls reveals the textures of a day in the life of Molly, portrayed by Louise Smith a photographer working part-time in a Manhattan brothel as she juggles a steady stream of clients, balances nurturing relations with her co-workers with the demands of an ambitious madam and above all, fights to maintain her sense of self. In a business in which the line between personal and professional is all too easily blurred. That's a... Whoever wrote that got, got me hooked. <laughs> got me hooked. Um, but yeah, that's that. I definitely want to check that out. And lastly here is a French film called La Piscine, or The Swimming Pool. It's a film by Jacques Duret, and I believe this is a late 60s film, uh, 1969. Yep. As late as you can get in the 60s. As late as you can get, and it stars Alain Delon, who is all over um, 
you know, French cinema in the 60s and 70s, and Rami Schneider. Um, and this is, I think this is actually the first of nine films that I think Jacques Duray and um, Alain Delon would work together on. I think oh, wow. I read that somewhere. Uh, I may be wrong, so people please look that up. <laughs> but this is a very, I, it's not a film that I've seen, but it's a film that I really want to see. And I, I was talking to Stephen before the pod, before the podcast, and I was like, apparently it's a very sexual film. And it's like, well, I mean, it's if you just see the cover of this movie, well, I mean, you, I, I, you can get it right I was away. like, look, it's a French film. I mean, it's, you're about, you're about, yes. you're about 80% chance there's going to be sexualness yeah, in it <laughs> french cinema has never shied away from sexual stuff yeah. european cinema in general has never shied away from sexual from sexual sexual stuff in their films yeah. but just the cover of this criterion is extremely sexually suggestive i mean it's two it's a man and a woman in a sexual embrace in front of a swimming pool kind of kind of sell kind of sells it um but getting into the deets here the details there's a new restored 4K digital transfer with uncompressed monaural soundtrack. The swimming pool, First Love Never Dies, the English language version of the film. Uh, 50 years later, a 2019 documentary by Agnes Vincent Duray featuring actors Alain Delon and Jane Burke. Screenwriter Jean-Claude Cartier and novelist uh, Jean-Emmanuel Connell. A new interview with scholar Nick Rees Roberts on the film's cinematic and aesthetic legacy. Mm. Archival footage featuring Delon, Birkin, actors Rami Schneider and Maurice Rene, Rene, Rene and director Jacques Duray. Uh, there's an alternate ending, and then there's trailers, and then new English subtitle translation. Plus an essay by film critic Jessica uh, Kiang. I think that's how it's spelled. Okay. It's pronounced. Yeah, I'm down. Uh, this is another film that I kind of want to watch right away before I even buy it. Dude, calm down. I'm going to need hoping. you to calm down. Look. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I kind of, yeah, I, I was trying to check to see if any of these were streaming on the Criterion channel um, before you could buy them. Because sometimes that happens. Or sometimes um, these titles will show up on the Criterion yeah. channel to stream. And then, like, months later, they'll get a release. So it was kind of like a sneak preview almost, but I don't believe any of them are. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm, I would like to check this one out before I buy it. So, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> but nice. So that's that's it. All of them. And that's and that those releases are all coming out in July. The last one coming out July twentieth, which is not quite the last release day of the month, but yeah, well. yeah. So bring your baby, July sixth. Mirror, July sixth. Uh, Deep Cover, July 13th, Working Girls, July 13th, and La Piscine, July 20th. Yeah. Those are, that's a that's a slate. That's a slate for you. Now we move on to the final one, which is something that came out actually just this past Thursday. Yeah. Right along the, with the Criterion releases, yeah. and that is Indicator. Yes, Mr. Indicator Powerhouse, uh, they they put out their, uh, their July slate. Um, and they got four films for us. You know, they've been going heavy on box sets uh, this year, um, but it looks like they're going to take a break from a box set and they're going to do four single releases this month. And uh, I think these are all very interesting. Um, and uh, so what we got here, uh, the the first one, um, we got July 19th. These are all coming out July 19th because, you know, they do a bundle deal. Like if you buy direct from Indicator, you can get 10% off if you do a bundle. Um, but uh, 
July 19th, uh, we have a limited edition Blu-ray, UK Blu-ray premiere of the Day of the Dolphin, <laughs> um, direct, directed <laughs> by uh, one of the great directors, Mike, Mike Nichols, um, uh, starring George C. Scott. So um, this indicator limited edition Blu-ray special features are 4K restoration, original stereo audio, we have the selected scenes commentary with a- academic and film historian Sheldon Hall from 2021. We have a new interview with actor John Corkies uh, to- from 2021. We have archival interviews with screenwriter Buck Henry from 2023. Or, I'm sorry, 2020 in the future. Um, nice. 2003. <laughs> um, we have archival interview with actor Leslie Charlson. Um, from uh, 2003, we have archival interview with actor Edward Herman from 2003. We have original trailer. We have uh, a Larry Karzazinski trailer commentary from 2016. Uh, short crit- critical appreciation. Um, we have a radio spot. We have an image gallery. We have uh, new and improved English subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing. We have a limited edition booklet. And uh, it's limited to uh, 3,000 copies. So you've seen this. I watched this, um, was it last night? Yeah, it was last night. (laughs) I watched this last night. Um, Interesting film. Uh, George C. Scott plays like a marine biologist, and he's basically raising this dolphin. And he and this dolphin basically have like a a parent-child relationship. (laughs) Uh, but there's something unique about this dolphin. Yeah. I won't say what it is to spoil it, but it's George C. Scott, sir, you know, post Patton, talking talking to a dolphin. Yeah, um, it's a it's a sight to behold. Um, it's directed by Mike Nichols. That's the one thing that baffles me about when I was watching this movie, yeah. because when I think Mike Nichols, I'm like the Graduate. You know, like I'm like I'm like the Graduate. Mike Nichols directed this movie. Um, it it's it's kind of a it's kind of a B movie premise with like. A-list actors, and that's for the most part. and that's exactly why I'm buying it. <laughs> Is that exactly why you're buying? Oh, it? I'm already I already uh, bought all these movies. This already happened. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, the the Sally, the, yeah, I yeah, the Mike Nichols is no longer with us, but he directed films like, I mean, The Birdcage, The, the um, Graduate, you know, The, the Graduate, you know, Catch Twenty Two, Silkwood, um, Closer, Charlie Wilson's War was his last movie that he did that he directed. Um, I, I've always loved I've always loved Mike Nichols, um, but this movie's so odd. <laughs> it's such an odd film to come from him. Um, it's not. I don't think it's terrible, but it's it's odd. It, I'll just say that it sounds like it's right up my alley. Um. <laughs> yeah, and of course, like there's the plot where, like, of course, like evil people want to like steal the dolphin and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so this should this, he, he should have been partnered up with uh, Ace Ventura for this movie. I was getting very Ace Ventura uh, <laughs> flashbacks from this. Yeah, maybe that's what the inspiration was for the first Ace Ventura was was the Day of the Dolphin. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I like the title of the movie and the artwork is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if not spoilerific, but um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then what is interesting is we go from Mike Nichols, and then the next one. I guess we might as well just get into it. Um, I know there's a couple. There's two others, but I guess this, these go hand in hand. I think is Ishtar. Yeah, because it's Elaine May and Mike Nichols and Elaine May were uh, close friends. Oh, okay. And Elaine May, we talk about Criterion. Uh, Mikey and Nikki is the film she directed. That's part of the Criterion collection. Yeah. Um, 
was starring uh, uh, John Cassavetes yeah. and Peter Falk. Yeah. Um, and Ishtar um, is the last film that Elaine May directed. And this film, I was talking to Stephen earlier, is considered one of the biggest box office flops of all time. It's on many people's worst of film of all time list. And I watched this last night as well. And I was, and there's been a whole repri- reprisal of it or reappraisal of this film over the last several years or so, because there was a, a Blu-ray that came out here in the, in the U S in 2013. I guess people have been rewatching it. It's not a bad movie. I don't think it's not a great movie. It's supposed to be a comedy, and it is, but it's maybe not funny to some people because comedy is so subjective. It's supposed to be satirical, but perhaps it's not. I don't know. It's For those of you out there who have seen this movie, you probably already know, this film has a just awful just uh, production in terms of trying to make this movie. It, the film stars Warren Beatty and um, Dustin Hoffman and directed by Elaine May. And apparently all three of these people had very different visions for what this movie was supposed <laughs> to be. And they all clashed behind the scenes. They shot, they tried to shoot the desert scenes in the real Sahara desert oh, Jesus. in the eighties. And it was just a mess. <laughs> it was just a mess of a production. But um, I guess I'll just read well, while I'm talking I'll, about this movie. I'll just read off the stuff while I'm talking about it. If you don't mind, Steve. Go ahead, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So. I so, mean, so, I know Steven so, was kind of taking it. He's just going to take over. I'm just going off anyway. Yeah, yeah I guess. Uh, it has a new 2K restoration, two presentations of the film, the 1987 theatrical cut, which is 107 minutes, and the 2013 director's cut, which is 105 minutes, original mono soundtrack, uh, optional 5.1 surround sound, audio commentary with refocus. The films of Elaine May editors, uh, Dean Brandom and Alexandra Heller-Nicholas from 2021. Uh, Elaine May and Mike Nichols in Conversation from 2006, archival video recording of the two friends and collaborators discussing their careers uh, following a retrospective screening of Ishtar at New York's Walter Reed Theater. A new interview with songwriter Paul Williams. He did all the movie, all the, basically uh, Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty's characters are singer-songwriters, but they're terrible at it. <laughs> So Paul Williams, who was the composer, had to purposely write bad songs for them, which is kind of where a lot of the comedy comes from. Um, and then there's a new appreciation with actor, comedian, and filmmaker Richard Ayoade. Um, uh, he's taking a trip into the Criterion Closet. That's a fun one. Uh, Waiting for Ishtar from 2017, Jonathan Crombie and John Mitchell's charming documentary featuring interviews with Williams... Actors Charles Grodin and Carol Kane, journalist Peter Biskind, he's written many books about uh, movies, and David Plum, film critic Jay Hoberman, and others. Original theatrical trailer, image gallery promotional and publicity material, new interview and improved English subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing, limited edition exclusive booklet with a new essay by Jessica Kiang, archival articles and interviews, and an overview of contemporary critical responses and film credits. And this is the UK premiere on Blu-ray, limited to a thousand, limited to three, limited edition of 3,000 copies, <laughs> and it says more extras to be announced, wow. so who knows? Damn. It's a lot. This movie is so fascinating to me because it was critically panned when it came out, like I said, box office flop, but now it's getting a reevaluation with modern context or with a modern movie reviewing lens, and a lot of people are are appreciating it now. Mm-hmm. 
um, more so than it was back then. And that seems to happen to a lot of movies where when they came out, they were, you know, you know, critically killed. And now they're considered all time favorites like um, like like um, movies that we've talked about. Um, the uh, Night of the Hunter oh, yeah. was critically yeah. destroyed when it came out. And now it's like a film school classic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the same thing with uh, Vertigo killed and now it's considered one of the greatest movies of all time so who knows but this is a fascinating release i just i'm very curious um to get it and to really dive into all these extra features because there's so much context around the movie and it is elaine may's last movie and it came out in 1987 uh the year i was born oh, for everyone Jesus. keeping count at home um he's so he's so the, vain He's so, <laughs> uh, yeah, so vain. I think the, I think this uh, I think this podcast is about me. Um, <laughs> but apparently, this movie was so tumultuous yeah. f- for Elaine May's careers. She's never directed a movie ever again, wow. um, and apparently destroyed the friendship between Warren Beatty and Elaine May, who were friends before this movie came out. Apparently, like Warren Beatty wanted to do this movie because he felt that he like he owed Elaine May for some previous work and that he, he felt that the studios had never given Elaine May the film that never let her made the film that she wanted to make. Her previous work had all been messed with by the studio. Gotcha. Uh, in a, in a very Orson Welles type way. And apparently like the complete opposite happened on this movie where, um, she wasn't able to make the movie she wanted and it was a complete mess as well. Yeah. And it destroyed their friendship, yeah. according to what I read on Wikipedia last night. Oh, well, that's to be trusted. All right, so... That's why, that's why I'm like, Ishtar, that's... That, I want I want to get this movie just for just for that. Um, but yeah. But yeah, you can you can do the other two. Oh, thanks. Steven. I kind of oh, took thanks, that from thanks you. Thanks for letting me, let, let, let me be involved in the podcast now. now I feel like now, a jerk. I'm just kidding. It's all good. <laughs> but, um... All right, so... We got a couple more releases here. We have um, this one. This one looks interesting to me because it kind of makes me think about like, um, you know, some recent like the nice guys. It gives me the nice guys feel the a movie that came out not too long ago because this this looks to be kind of like a comedy noir detective type of story. Um, it's called The Big uh, The Big Fix uh, and it stars uh, Richard Dreyfus and. You got John Lithgow in there, Susan, uh, a I can't see her last name. Um, but, um, this is a movie from 1978 and, uh, it is, seems to be like a private detective type of story. Um, it's got a high definition remaster, um, original mono auto audio, uh, audio commentary with little white lies editor, David Jenkins from 2021. We got a new interview with director Jeremy Paul Kagan from 2021. Man, these are very recent. So they must be just getting them in. Um, <laughs> we have a new interview with novelist and screenwriter Ro- uh, Roger L. Simon from 2021. You got the original theatrical trailer, TV spot. You have an image gallery. You have new and improved subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing. You got the limited edition uh booklet with the new essays from will harris and archival articles from interviews and an overview overview of contemporary critical responses and the film's credits and uh this is limited to three thousand copies um i mean i have not seen this but uh 
I like Richard Dreyfus. I like old school Richard Dreyfus stuff. This is like right off the su- successes he had from like Close Encounters and um are you interested in this one? Oh yeah, um I've been eyeballing this one for a couple of years oh, this movie. Okay. Because there's a uh there's a Twilight Time release of this one here in the States. Okay. And I'm curious if it's the same transfer because it was one of Twilight Time's like later releases okay. like before they 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 shifted or went they didn't go yeah they went under but before they shifted over to their other web the other screen, website screen archive yeah screen archives yeah. which um is still releasing twilight time releases but they're but they're only like they're only releasing like two releases or three releases every couple of months it's not like it used to be uh but th- it had a release so i don't know if it's the same transfer or not definitely there's definitely probably more special features and new special features here okay I'll, which is really cool. Um, that's the one thing about Indicator we've mentioned many times. A lot of their special features are new and and probably exclusive to their release to to their editions. Um, yeah, I want to check it out. Cool, I really do. It's that seventies. Yeah, I believe seventies Richard Dreyfuss, like Jaws and yeah. the Good this, the Goodbye this is Girl. A year after Jaws was what seventy seventy three. I don't know. Isn't it your favorite movie? All no, time? it's not. It's it, I don't know numbers. Uh, I can't remember things. I'm getting too old. 1975. Yeah, I was yeah. close. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is right after all that all that success from you know Jaws and Close Encounters, and uh, I think this is something he produced himself. He was one of the producers, mm-hmm. so I think yes. this we probably had a lot invested in this one as a, you know as an actor, and uh, yeah, I'm interested in checking it out. And that and that fro is amazing. So. Um. Yeah, that haircut's really good. <laughs> I really, I like, I like the, I just like the, the clean layout of the cover art for this, for this release. Yeah. And very set, very centered. Yeah, <laughs> balanced. Well, I, I would say the same thing about the next release too. Uh, I think the cover of this one's pretty uh, centered and balanced. I don't know how you would describe it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh uh this one's from uh this is from a big direct i would say this is a pretty big release because it's from a big director uh from uh Werner herzog oh, uh, yes. from uh 2001 invisible which if you try to search this movie on imdb you're gonna have trouble finding it because there's like a thousand movies called invisible or some form of that Invin- oh, yeah invincible yeah or yeah invincible i'm sorry uh yeah. there's so many movies with that title or it's close to that title that it's hard to find um so, but Invincible is a 2001 uh, Werner Herzog film. It stars Tim Roth. Um, and uh, it's going to have a 2K restoration from a 4K scan. And you have uh, <clears throat> you have the original English and German soundtracks uh, available in 5.1 surround sound and 2.0 uh, stereo. You're going to have an audio commentary with director Werner Herzog in German with optional newly translated English subtitles from 2002. You have new interview with director of photography Peter Zedlinger uh, from 2021. You have a UK uh, theatrical trailer, German theatrical trailer, US theatrical trailer. You have image gallery promotional and uh publicity material you have new and improved english subtitles from the deaf and the hard of hearing you have a newly trans uh translated english subtitle for the italian soundtrack and then you have your limited booklet with new essay from jason wood archival uh articles and interviews and an overview of contemporary uh critical responses and film credits it's uh, limited to two thousand uh, three thousand copies um <clears throat> 
I mean, this is Werner Herzog, so I'm going to check this out. And it looks like a very kind of interesting, like, once again, another, I think, World War II set film uh, that we're talking about, you know. Um, do you know much about this one? I do, I do not. I'm just reading the description right now, and apparently it was his first dramatic work um, in, a, in a decade when it came out. Oh, okay. Uh, stars Tim Roth and Udo Kier. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm just, yeah, it's looks for anything from Werner Herzog is going to be at least fascinating yeah. or at least interesting. He doesn't make dull works. I mean, he doesn't make works for everyone, but um, yeah, I've seen a lot more of his documentaries than I've seen his like narrative yeah. films. Um, and I know you have um, the Shout Factory Werner Herzog box set of a lot of his early work. Yeah. Unfor- if I'm not mistaken. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to delve into that too highly yet. Right. I've only watched maybe a, a couple of movies in that set, but yeah, like you said, he, he's not uh, a filmmaker for everybody, <clears throat> but he's definitely interesting. And, um, I, I, I mean, I already bought this, so it's coming. I'm losing my voice. Sorry. But, uh, <clears throat> there's so many releases. Know, um, and, uh, I'm starting, I'm starting to lose it too. But, um, it's Werner Herzog, and I'm I'm always interested in what he does, and I'm I I do like Tim Roth as an actor. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen many of his uh, works other than you know stuff he's done in ensembles like Reservoir Dogs or, um, you know his uh, I mean he was in a Marvel movie. <laughs> I haven't seen. seen yeah, he was in the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, he was in the Incredible Hulk. So, I, other than that, I haven't seen much of his work either. But I've always liked him in everything he's in. So, um, yeah, yeah. I'm also yeah, I'm also a big fan of Tim Roth as well. Um, and Werner Herzog, uh, he seems to be a man of many talents. He's doing feature films, documentaries, acting. Um, yeah, I I I've seen what's his the film that he did, um, back in the seventies. Uh, with Klaus Kinski, Aguirre, uh, Wrath of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie's a trip. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I've always, um, I've really wanted to see Fitzcarraldo. I haven't seen Fitzcarraldo yet, uh, because I wanted to see the documentary about the making of Fitzcarraldo, which is actually, I've heard, is better than the film Fitzcarraldo. Um, and yeah, it's just, yeah, he's he's an odd, he's an odd man <laughs> with an odd. Uh, odd career um i'm trying to find out what the name of it is but i can't i don't think he, i don't know if he directed it anywho i whatever it is um but i know that the the documentary has a criterion release on dvd okay. from years ago um and that's never been been given a a um an upgrade uh, and it's his releases have gotten weird. His movies have gotten weird releases because there's a box set here that you have. There's a box set in the UK from the BFI of his releases, but they both of them have different different releases, different movies, and different transfers. Like <laughs> here in the states, uh, the transfer for his version of Nosferatu is 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 worse or different than the one that they used in the BFI in the UK. So it's like you kind of have to mix and match if you want to get the best of his of all of his films uh, when it comes to Blu-ray releases, which is really annoying and just drives me crazy as like an OCD collector yes, who wants yes. like the best work of the directors that I'm collecting. Um, 
So I'm just glad to see more of his stuff getting, you know, good releases on Blu-ray. Um, yeah, so that's everything <laughs> when it comes to most of the major boutique labels that Steven and I tend to collect from often. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm worn out. I'm, 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 I'm worn tired. Out. But, but, I'm tired. But we, I'm just but tired. we got one more thing to talk about. And that's mo- and it's mostly me. Um, I I I wanted to uh, just spotlight re- real quick uh, before we uh, we we wrap it up. Um, I finally got a long-awaited release in the mail uh, during our our in-between time here, and this was a this was a release that was kind of uh, it was delayed because they had some issues with I think some uh, some special features or something on disc. They had to re- they had to re reprint some stuff. Um, or there was some kind of error or something. I don't know, but they had to re- they had to do some work to get it back right. And a- about a month later, they finally started getting these shipped back out. But Severon Films uh, has released a new box set, a new collection from a filmmaker named Andy Milligan. It's called The Dungeon of An- Andy Milligan, um, and this has fourteen of his films. Um, I think he I think he made about twenty seven films in all. So this is a good chunk of his films. A lot of his films are actually lost. So there's no way to put him out anyway. But um, this is a good chunk of his filmography, and he's he is like a B C level filmmaker, um, making a lot of you know trashy sex horror movies, um, and very similar to his to Severon very similarly put out another set uh, from uh, Al Adamson, um, who was also another kind of um, you know culty horror you know sex filmmaker trash filmmaker and so i'm very interested in this stuff and these sets are very gorgeous um they come it comes with a nice hardback um case um and it comes with a nice big booklet here i don't know how many pages it is but it's a good amount it looks about 50 pages long um and then it's got a digipack case that has kind of the slips you know the disc slips on the side which um, in this case seems to be okay. Um, the w- only negative about this set, I'll say, is the way that the digi pack with the discs in it is is bound. It doesn't it doesn't allow for you to open the pages all the way. So that's a little bit of an issue for me. But other than that, um, the artwork is fantastic. Um, you get all these like the original posters on the inside of this, and it has like all the all the specs and things like that. And I've watched a couple of these movies. I watched the ghastly ones, and I watched um, the bodies beneath, and they're both terribly funny and all, you know off. They're awful, but they're 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 kind of a good time. Um, but I'm there's a few other ones in here. I'm really excited to to to, to watch. There's one in here called um, the rats are coming and the werewolves are here. So if that doesn't get you to by this set, I don't know what it is, but Andy Milligan's kind of a, you know, he had a fascinating, you know, kind of tragic upbringing. His, um, he was very close to his father who was like a, a military man, a Navy man. And, uh, so eventually Milligan himself went into the Navy, but I think he left about four years in, he got honorably discharged. Um, he had a really bad relationship with his mother actually, who had a lot of, um, mental problems, a lot of, you know, and, so the, his mother was very mentally and physically abusive to him and his family. Um, so they, they 
as Milligan went on with his own life, they believe that he might have actually gotten some of them issues from his mother. Um, so he was very hard to work with. He apparently was somewhat abusive to his own actors and people that he worked with. Um, but he made some interesting work here and they put a set together for him. So um, it's a beautiful set. Uh, if you're into that kind of cinema, um, I'd say check it out because, uh, you know, it's it's cinema. And I think we've as I said before, there's some uh, some stuff to be taken from uh, the lower ends of cinema, too. So, um, yeah. Anything to say about the and, and Andy Milligan? Have you heard anything about him? Have you? No, is, and that's from Severin. Yeah, Severin Films. Um, and they put out the Al Adamson sets. Yeah, and they're constructed in a similar manner. Yeah, that one actually doesn't have the same spine issue as as this one does. I don't know what happened when they designed this box, but um, you think they just added extra glue to the spine? It, it definitely so it doesn't come undone. It's hard to describe, you know, without being able to really show you, but it's. But yeah, I mean that was the only that's the only fault of the thing. I mean it, it Yeah, I mean I'm so wary of those types of book um book constructed type sets. Yeah. Because usually when I get them I can hear the glue cracking apart and it's almost as if this thing's going to it, yeah. eventually fall apart. Because sometimes that glue does wear out over time. Yeah. That's a, that's the only thing with a lot of some some box sets now is the construction of them are can go up and down. Yeah. I mean, we talked a little bit last week how even the Criterion Godzilla set from a couple of years ago is starting to fall apart on some people, yeah. where the glue is starting to come undone and discs are starting to get stuck or move on their own yeah. just from just from sitting on people's shelves. Yeah. It's not not like people are using some of these sets. Yeah. So everyone, check your sets. <laughs> yeah, check all your sets. Go through all your all movies and check them. <laughs> check them. Yeah, that's a that's a that's mm-hmm. a really big chore for us. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very much enjoying Severon's output. Um, I almost wanted to put some of the, cause they also had releases that were announced too. Um, and I didn't put it in our list because we had to shorten it somewhere. Um, I did decide to get one of their releases right off the bat, one called skinned deep. Um, so, uh, and it looks, it looks amazing. It looks, it's like a ripoff of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it has Warwick Davis in it, and he plays a guy named Plates. So that should sell you alone. And in the trailer, they're like the star of Harry Potter, Warwick Davis. <laughs> you know, like it's hilarious. And, he, and he's in what? like a couple minutes of the movie. Couple minutes of in the whole franchise, yeah, like, not even in it that much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was eight movies. I'm pretty sure he's got like ten minutes of screen yeah. time, maybe. But um, he was per, uh, Professor Flitwick. Yeah, but I, I you know, and, I'm and a, very much getting into this else? type of cinema and uh. It's a great set. Um, so yeah, that's 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 my little uh, you know little somewhat review of that set. Um, but that's going to be it for this episode of Chasing Labels. Chasing Labels number number three. Um, where can we find you, Andrew? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Cabzilla06, as well as my YouTube channel, Cabzilla Productions. And you can find me on Facebook, Stephen Billings. You can find me on Instagram at Chasing Labels 16 or on Letterboxd at Chasing Labels. Um, you can find the audio for this podcast on Podbean or Apple Podcasts. Thank you once again for listening, and hey, keep on buying them movies. I know I will. <laughs> <laughs>